0: Second Peter chapter 1 this morning, as so we turn to our Bibles, thank you for many of us for uh, checking in on us. Some of you have noticed and have been bold enough to ask, you, you guys, you haven't been around much, what's going on, where are you at? And I figured since I'm preaching this morning, it's probably the others wondering that, but not asking, so I'll just tell everybody, that way I don't have to tell over and over and over. Uh, but there's a little church up in Port Huron uh, back last spring. Uh, Their pastor, who was older, had some health issues and some fairly serious health issues and contracted COVID. And between his health issues and COVID, he passed away. And so through some mutual connections, I've been up there a couple times a month helping them fill in, trying to help them uh, put together a plan for searching for a pastor. So just being prayer for them, that's where I've been a couple times a month. So when you see us kind of in and out here, not here, uh, generally that's uh, where we've been, and with our, we've got seven kids, We've had it's wintertime too, so we've had some sickness too, so I feel like we've been at home, rough up in Port Huron so far this year, uh, more than we've been here, but again, thankful for the opportunity to be together here with you today, pray for us as well, pastor's gone, we're taking off after the morning service today, I've got vacation this week uh, from work, and we're heading over uh, to see my family Uh, and the Wisconsin, the Milwaukee area, my parents are there, so we're looking forward uh, to seeing them. Uh, My mom's getting ready to have surgery, so if you could keep her uh, in your prayers, so uh, we just want to spend some time uh, with them over the next few few days. We'll be back towards uh, the end of the week, but if I kind of, we're trying to leave pretty quick, uh, so we can uh, get on the road, take advantage of, it's an hour earlier there, so we get a little bit of a time change, and uh, get there at a good time here late afternoon, uh, early evening. So, uh, but that's where we're at and that's what's going on. Hopefully that's given you time to get to Second uh, Peter chapter 1. We're going to be looking primarily, we'll read the first 15 verses, but we're going to be focusing on verses 12 through 15. And what's interesting about verses 12 through 15 is Peter giving some personal perspective in it. And it kind of, have you ever wished that you could peek inside of the pastor's heart? All right? What's going on in his heart and in his mind? You ever wondered that? What's the pastor thinking? What's important to him? Well, that's kind of the Apostle Peter, as he writes, he gives his initial challenge in verses 1 through 11. And then as he's nearing the end of his life, right, you'll see that in verses 12 through 15, he kind of steps back, gives a little pause in verses 12 through 15, and gives some perspective, right, about ministry, about preaching, about pastoring, what it is, is it important, why it's important, and, and it helped frame for us as a church, right, what, what should be our priority as we think about pastoral ministry, and I was kind of, Pastor mentioned to me a couple weeks ago, it was actually the Sunday, it was Vision Sunday, he mentioned he might be gone, he wasn't totally for sure, but he said, hey, if you might be available just to kind of plan towards maybe uh, filling in that Sunday morning. Uh, and, uh so I was, as I was thinking about that, uh, Sunday night, uh, as he was talking in Vision Sunday, obviously the primary theme he's focusing on, he introduced Sunday morning on this idea of hope and what it means from a scriptural perspective as kind of a, a theme, a spiritual theme for the year. But as he, uh, you might say a sub-theme, all right? On Sunday night, as he introduced the calendar a little bit and talked about some biblical principles related to that, he kind of focused on one word that Sunday night of Vision Sundays. Anybody remember what that was? Kind of that. All right? Yeah, simplicity, simplify, and he used yeah, that idea. Simplify, right? And as you talk about simplify, right, as we talk about church, about church ministry, about pastoral, about pulpit ministry, what we're doing here this morning as God's people, what how important is that? And the Apostle Peter here gives us a peek into his heart about the importance that this should play, what we're doing this morning, in the life of a church. And it's very interesting. We need to take time to stop and consider what's most important in what we do, right? Uh, to, To make sure we're focusing and doing the right kinds of things. And the Apostle Peter talks about related that related to pastoral ministry in these verses. And just to give, again, an idea, a related idea, just from a secular, right, an illustration from the world. From my work, I work for UPS, I'm a UPS driver, and over the last two years, we had a transition, we got a new CEO. Our new CEO, right, her her statement about where we're going, what was her focus as she takes over the company. And we see it everywhere, right? Uh, Primarily when she talks, when she gives interviews online, this is what she says, her focus. We want to be better, not bigger. Interesting. Kind of her philosophy, this idea, we need to simplify a little bit, right? And it's very easy to get into the rut, whether it's in life Uh, business, church, it's not better unless it's bigger, right? (laughs) Not always the case. And what's very interesting, over this last year, as we look back, UPS looked over this last year, going into this last year, at the end, uh, a little over a year ago, at the end of the quarter of the year before, there was a section of the business that wasn't very profitable. We didn't make enough money on it. Guess what they did? UPS sold that side of the business, no longer doing, no longer delivering freight, okay? Most profitable part of our business is what we do, parcel, individual parcel delivery. Better not bigger, and also what's interesting, they made it a priority to go after more profitable accounts this last year. So what's interesting, our overall volume from this last year compared to the year before, our overall delivery volume, guess what it did? It dropped, not by a whole lot, right? Our overall delivery volume went down, but guess what happened to profitability? It went up. And again, I think this is a passage, when we talk about more in a spiritual context, what is it in the life of a church? What is one of the things that should be of utmost importance? There are all kinds of things we do in church, right? Right? Multitude of things, extracurriculars, and things that go along with what we do. But what is what is the primary thing? So, as we read verses 1 through 15, right? And especially as we get to verses 12 through 15, right? Hopefully that, that backdrop, that introduction, you'll be looking to see what Peter's focus is. So 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning of verse 1, says this. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ... that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption uh, that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you... For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So before we start verse 12, right? Anything new there that you haven't heard before? Nope. Same old story. That we're here to hear different different phases, different sides of it from different passages every week. It's the same story. And he's sharing it again. What does Peter think about that as he nears the end of his earthly ministry? Look at verses 12 through 15. He says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. You know what? I I think it's a good idea that I'm doing this, he says. Though ye know them, and be established in the present truth, yea, I think it meet, right? Right? The idea that he says, I think it's right for me to do this, as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Peter says, you know what, it's it's a good thing. It's the primary thing. It's one of the basic things for God's people to be reminded of the truth week in, week out, all the way through, right? Peter's at the end of his ministry. From the beginning, he's about to end it, and he says, you know what, I think this is the best way to do it. So what's he going to keep doing? I'm going to keep reminding you of these things so that even when I'm gone, these things will continue to change and impact your life. Hence, you see the title there on the screen, right? The Need for Repetition. Keep constantly returning to the truth of the Word of God. It's very interesting if just to think about, just to back off to think about where Peter's at, right? He, he's nearing the end of his life, his ministry, He has had a successful ministry in large part. One of the apostles, well known in the early church, and here he's about to die. He could very easily have taken the opportunity to, pour me, right? Try to get some attention for who? For himself. Interesting that he addresses, right? Does he mention the fact that he's most likely about to die? Does he mention it? Yes, but he doesn't use it for his own advantage or to advance his own ideas. He doesn't manipulate the situation. And again, why that's in the greater context, we're going to touch on this. Obviously, at my, the church in Fort Huron, since I've been there regularly, we're actually preaching through Second Peter, uh, working through it with them. Well, what's interesting in the larger context, right, where, where he's laying the foundation in chapter 1, chapter 2, he's primarily going to confront false teaching that has crept into the church, right? Teachers who want, want to be known, who want attention, who want to get into your pockets, who have underlying reasons for doing what they do, promoting what they promote. Yet Peter stands as a contrast to that, even in his own personal desires, right? He wasn't there for his own advantage. He's not advancing his own ideas. He is saying, look, when I'm gone, I want there to be ideas. I want there to be truth that continues to change you regardless of whether I'm here or not. So this repetition of truth is very important. So what are we going to see this morning? The main idea is this. The constant reminder of the truth is needed in your life. The constant reminder reminder of truth, is needed in your life. How does that happen? we're going to focus on it because it's the Apostle Peter. How does that happen from a pastoral perspective, what the pastor does? The first principle that we see is this. A pastor should constantly remind you of the truth. A pastor should constantly remind you of the truth. Look at verse 12 again. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. A pastor should constantly remind you of the truth. Peter wanted to remind them of these things. When he says, I don't want you to be negligent of these things, what's he referring to? Well, what he just said is mini-sermon, right? Verses 3 through 11. What's the focus there? What's the message that he's already proclaiming them? He's like, look, if you are God's child, if you've been saved, the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who came, he died on the cross, he gave his life for your sins to die in your place. If he's your savior, right? If he's moved in, how much do you have to live the life he's called you to live? Look at verse 3 according as his divine power hath given unto us what? All things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and to virtue. Folks, if you are God's child, you have absolutely everything that you need to be what God has called you to be. He's given you absolutely everything you need. What does that mean then? What's your responsibility, right? He talks about our responsibility in light of what God's done in our hearts and lives as believers. What should you be doing? You know what you need to be doing? You need to be growing. Anybody shocked by that this morning? Right? Nothing new. Look at it. He starts into that, how you should be growing. Look at verse 5. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge. He starts talking about verses 5 through 7, these characteristics that because God's given me all I need, I ought to be pursuing Him to see these characteristics growing and in my life and changing me. And then he talks about verses 9 through 11 how that, that practical aspect of growth lends assurance. Right? That's not the grounds of our assurance of salvation, but it, it's, it lends assurance of salvation in that sense in a practical way. And he says, you know what? As he comes to it, as he thinks about it, the repetition of these things from the pulpit is needed over and over, week in, week out. Peter says, this is exactly what you need so that you can grow and become the Christian that you need to be. It's how it works. There's nothing more, nothing less. These truths need repeating in different ways over and over. And What's interesting, right? Since Peter wrote it down, it would be a constant reminder not only to those believers, but to us as we sit here today. It wasn't just applicable for them, right, folks? The truth that we have opportunity to sit around today is just as applicable for who? For you and for me, we need the same thing. And what's very interesting, right? I don't know about you, but I look at Peter's attitude in all this towards those people. He was so gracious. Right? I don't know about you. How many of you, along with me, how many of us have room to grow? Right? How many of us have weaknesses and failures? Man. But look at Peter's the pastoral attitude that he shows in verse 12, the last part of it. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, although I know you already know them And the last phrase of verse 12. And you're established in this truth. I mean, you're mature. You're growing. Wow. Boy, pastors know a lot about us, don't they? Sometimes they find out more than they want to know. Sometimes maybe we have a conversation where i said some more things than I should have said. Peter said, you know what, you know this, and you're growing, and you need to keep growing. What a gracious attitude. He assumes, right? He assumes the best. He assumes that this is just a reminder because as far as he knew, they were established and they knew the truth. Yet, as I've alluded to in introduction, he knew there was a current threat, and he's going to get to that in chapter 2, right? There were false teachers who had crept in among them. So what is he doing in chapter 1? Here's the point, folks. There is no better defense against false teaching or our own carnality than a repetition of and return to what? The truth as revealed in the Word of God. You don't need more. You don't need less. And that's what false teachers were doing. Oh, I, I've got something you haven't heard. You need what I have to offer. Folks, anybody starts down that line, leads you down that way of thinking when it comes to the truth of God's Word. Start running and run where? Right? Not towards them, away. Because we have all we need. You need the repetition of the truth, even when, right? even when he assumes they are in a healthy place, even when you're in a good place spiritually, guess where God's people need to be gathered together? When we are opening the Word, when pastor stands up before us to preach and to teach, where do we need to be? Right? That's the important part of what we're doing when we're gathered together and Peter evidences a gracious attitude towards others and he says you know what it's the pastor's responsibility to do this and note his attitude right the first part of verse 12 he said i am not he says i am not going to be negligent to do this right he said i am ready to fulfill my god ordained role as pastor He knew his responsibility even in his final days, and he stuck with it. And if you think about, if you listen, right, if you pay attention when our pastor's here, you can tell that that is a big part of his focus. He takes time to study, He digs into the word so that when he stands up here, right, he wants to share with you what? His ideas? No, he wants you to understand and know God through his word better. What does that mean for us, how we view things in the life of the church, right? Just a lesson for us, right? Okay, our pastor, this is already his perspective, right? I know that from talking to him and listening to him. But you know, sometimes there are things, right? We all we all in life of church and ministry, there are all there are a lot of things that are important to each of us. And we can very easily, right, put pressure on the pastor, right? Whether it's Whether it's a family event that's important to me and you've invited the pastor and his family and he didn't show up. What starts, he must not like me. What have I done? And different things that, that become priorities to us, right? Extracurricular expectations. Folks, as a church, not saying that those things aren't important and our pastor loves social interaction and he wants to be there for people. And wouldn't wouldn't it be great if the pastor was able to be the best friend of everyone in the church? Now, just look around for a minute, right? Just with who's here today. We already had a first service. Some were here then. If the pastor was trying to be the best friend of everyone who's here, when would he study? I can tell you the answer to that. He wouldn't. Wouldn't have time. It would be great if that's what he could do. Even from a church organizational standpoint, right? There may be times where, where you go to pastor about a concern or whatever, something that's like, this is, this is for me and where I'm at, this is important. And you might talk to him, and you're waiting to hear back from him. Next thing you know, you're hearing from a staff member or a deacon about it. And you're like, I didn't talk to them. I talked to pastor, and I wanted to hear from pastor. Right? But again, if we simplify, right, the pastor's primary responsibility from a biblical standpoint is what? Right? The teaching and preaching, the ministry of the word. And so there's other, there's, there's staff, there are deacons, there are others, there are volunteers that step up some of these extracurricular things. pastor cannot possibly do everything there is to do by himself. And so not that all those other things are bad. And if you're able to personally interact with pastor and get what you need from him, folks, and it works out the way that you get the attention that you want, folks, let's remember when it comes to priorities of what a pastor is to do, if you get some of that, that's just the icing on the cake. That's an extra blessing. And the pastor should be there for people. I'm not saying these other, don't go out of here and say, well, uh, you know, he said that all the pastor should be doing is preaching. That is not what I'm saying. Trying to strike a balance here that we get the priorities right. What's at the top? You get that this morning? Other things fall in their place. Those other things are important. And I trust you're thankful for opportunities to interact with pastor in other ways. But let's remember to give him the time that he needs to do what he's supposed to do in this ministry. And from an organizational standpoint, when I was an assistant pastor... For almost 10 years, right? Between me and the other assistants and the secretaries. When it came to events that we did, Bible school, missions month, uh, retreats, guess who was in charge of those things? Who ran those things? Assistants and secretaries, we ran all those things, right? The senior pastor, he oversaw those things, but we did the legwork. Why? So that he didn't get overloaded with those details, Right? So that he could give his attention to what? To the main thing that he does week in and week out. And folks, those, those kinds of things are important. So that a pastor can do what, right? What verse 12 points us to. So that a pastor can constantly remind you of the truth. That leads us secondly, the second principle that we see in verses 13 and 14 is this. It is right. For a pastor to faithfully stir you up through reminders of the truth. What what does Peter think about the importance of what he has just said about what he's going to do? Well, he tells us in verses 13 and 14, you had to wake him up. I'd come in, I was already awake, I was excited, and I would do things that would irritate them. I found out. Right? Not a perfect father, none of us are learn those things that irritate the people around us and try to change. And ask my wife, I'm not too good at changing. (laughs) But we work at it, right? But that's the idea, that's the picture here, to stir up, to wake someone up out of a dead sleep. That's what the preaching and teaching of truth does, the repeated teaching of the Word. You know what it does? It creates a spiritual alertness in a world that would love to lull you to sleep spiritually. And God's word, when the pastor gets up and he preaches, it grabs a hold of you. It wakes you out of your sleep in an area where you've kind of drifted off, doing your own thing, and says, Wake up! Right? And, and pastors kind of hit this drum, right, with the coronavirus, one of the things we've been battling with. Again, when you're sick, we don't want to be here. We obviously don't want to be spreading, but... But the life of the church, the church gathering together is important. And what have you heard from time to time? What's Pastor been encouraging us, right? Hey, you know, if you need to stay home, if you got you know health needs or precautions, that's great. But but being together is what important. So if you're not here yet, right? Let make a plan, work at it, right? Stirring you up, right? Because God, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, right? Live stream's not enough. We need to be challenged in these different ways, right? That are based on the principles of the Word of God. The faithful ministry of the Word keeps you sharp spiritually, keeps you where you need to be, where you're starting to fall asleep. You've been out in the midst of a busy week, and some of you, whether it's through, through work-related things, for some of you, it's just the weather this last week, dealing with a snowstorm for like almost 48 hours in a row. You know, and I'm going to work, and they're sending me out in hazardous weather, almost slid into a tree, got stuck for 45 minutes the next day, and that was the last place I wanted to be. And we can get Distracted. And those things can affect our spiritual focus. And we need to be drawn back to the truth of the Word. You need to be stirred up, to be spiritually alert. And what was his focus, right? The middle phrase of verse 13, he says, I think it's right to do this for how long? as long as I'm in this tabernacle, as long as, I, as I'm in this body, as long as I'm alive, this is what you're going to keep hearing. As long as he was alive, he would do this. Pastors must faithfully repeat the truth week in and week out. Peter himself, think about Peter himself. Let's just use Peter as an illustration of why we need, why, we, why do we need this week in, week in and week out? Think about Peter, the great apostle Peter, right? Boy, how was, how, what was Peter like during the ministry of Jesus? When he sat, he was literally sitting under, hearing the preaching and teaching of the master himself. How would you describe Peter many times? He was, what? Yeah, Impulsive. He wasn't thinking spiritually. He was thinking based off of what I want to say and what I want to do in the moment. To the point, right, he sat under Jesus' whole ministry. Jesus is going to the cross, literally what he'd been telling them over and over and over. They hadn't quite seen it or heard it yet, seen it clearly. And Peter goes as he's been arrested, and Peter not only denies once, He not only denies twice, he denies how many times? Three times. After sitting under the full ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Peter still had that kind of a struggle. I don't know about you, but if Peter could sit under that and still have those kinds of issues, what does that mean for you and me about where we need to be? what we need to be sitting under, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses. Folks, we need it. If the apostle Peter needed it, so do we. It's the focus. And Peter had no regrets as he neared the end of his life, even in the face of his last days, right? What did he say, verse 14? Knowing, I'm saying all this, right? Verse 14, I'm saying all this, knowing What? Knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, I'm going to exit this earthly body of mine. Even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me, Jesus told him, right, what death he was going to die, right? Peter says, I've got no regrets. And Jesus told told him in John 21 18 and 19 that he would be crucified. And Peter saw that this was coming. And church history tells us that Peter was crucified upside down. That's what church history tells us. And the ultimate show of where Peter's heart was, right? It wasn't about him, right? It's how he closes it in verse 15. As we start to move into the third point here, it's almost... Peter could have ended at verse 14, and, and we've got the point, right? We could... We could stop here and pray and be done and you've got the point, right? There, and you probably feel like that half the time in sermons, right? The path, okay, right? You got you get another whole. You're taking another ten minutes and you're just, you know, so this is this is the last ten minutes of the sermon where you're like, okay, I got the point. I know, I know where we're at. Okay. Pete it's been happening since since the early days of the church, okay? Peter does it in verse 15. It's like he grabs you, you know, grabs you by the shirt and pulls you in and puts his finger in his face, right? Just, so, just to make sure you don't miss the point of what I'm trying to say, verse 15. Moreover, just in case you missed the point, you could insert in there a little parenthesis. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye, may be af- that ye may be able after my decease to do what? To have these things always in remembrance. And the third principle that we see is this. The pastor should give his best effort to ensure that truth continues to impact your life even after he's gone. And we see that in verse 15. I guess I got a little ahead of the slides there, okay? All right? Now you see the verse. Folks, your pastor wants you to always be able to live in light of the truth whether he's there or not you know why that's important because as we've already alluded to can the pastor do everything can the pastor be at everything can the pastor be there for you every time you have a little need it's impossible but what what has the ability to be there and minister to your need every single time even if he died. The truth you still have. Wow, don't miss the point. This is why you need to be constantly reminded and taught the truth of God. Why? Because our loyalty is to truth and that's what preaching should instill in your heart and your life. We are loyal to God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as He's revealed Himself in His Word and the truth related to Him is why we're here and what we're preaching about. And that's where we point, people. It's not about the pastor. It's not about his personality. It's not about what he does for me. It's not about everything else he's able to do. It is about the opportunity we have to sit under the truth and that truth changing my life and yours. That's why we're here. Don't get lethargic. Don't lose sight. Don't fall into the rut. Oh, here we go again. I better be there. Or, you know, so-and-so, maybe even the pastor might call me. Folks, we need, we need to be woken up when we're in that state of mind. I, I need, right? I need to be challenged. I need to grow. I need to be here. He says in verse 15, moreover, I will endeavor, right? That word endeavor has the idea of making every effort or being diligent about about something, right? The pastor should give his best effort to making sure truth is engrafted and written into your heart and your life. That's important to our pastor. The question is, is it important to you? People come and go from churches for a whole variety of reasons, right? And that's a whole other can of worms. Not that those things aren't important, but what is? If we simplify, right? What is the most important reason that we are here? Why is it even in a physical sense that in churches like ours, the pulpit is where? It's in the center for a reason. Because this is the important part of what we do as we gather together as God's people and we fall before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and lift Him up together as God's people. Is that what's most important to you? Peter wanted this so ingrained in verse 15 that he says, even after my decease, even after I die, I want you to remember the truth of the gospel that will continue to change your life. Folks, that's the heart of the true pastor. And that should be your desire as well. He was so burdened for this that he wrote to repeat the truth that they already knew (laughs) Nothing new. You already know this. Yet we always need it because there are constant threats to truth and to God's work in our hearts and life. Folks, there are things we can constantly, we've already alluded to it. I'm not going to go back into that, but there are things that distract us and get us off track. What are they in your life? You need to be reminded and brought back, centered on the course that we need to be on. Never be content, folks. Keep growing and learning and com- becoming more familiar with the old, old story. Folks, there's nothing new. There's nothing more exciting. It starts here, and it ends here. That's where our hearts need to be. This also means there's nothing new, right? And that's where he's going to go, the false teachers. Oh, something new, or whatever they were promoting. We have all the truth, folks, of God revealed in Scripture. This is why we keep coming back to it, repeating it, relearning it, reemphasizing it, because it's what we need. It's how we grow. There are always new challenges along the road of life as well. Just when you think the stage of life you're at, right, oh man, I think I, think I finally got this figured out, then, then you're into another stage. It's like, right? New challenges. We need it. So anyone who claims to have found some new truth from God should be ignored. There's no new revelation. We preach and teach the Word. Reminding you of what God, yes, has already said. In God-honoring churches since the beginning of the church age, until the church age is done, those who come after us will continue to do what we do today what we need. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that because I have plenty to keep me busy just what I know from here. I don't need to know anything new. We've got enough. Plenty to keep us going. So what are some lessons as we draw this to a conclusion? What can we take with us? What can you take home? Lesson number one, hopefully you've got this one figured out already, right? You need the constant reminder of the truth of the word of God. That's what we need. That's why we're here. It keeps us learning. It keeps us growing. It keeps us spiritually alert. It keeps us awake, right? And sometimes that's uncomfortable. No one likes to get woken up out of a dead sleep. Folks, you need the constant reminder of the truth of the Word of God. How does that happen? Secondly, lesson number two related to one. But you need to be stirred up by the truth, right? Truth keeps you spiritually alert in a world that's seeking to put you to sleep. You need to be alert. So, what should you do? Lesson number three, right? If you ever find yourself, right, and what you're looking for here, right? If you're part of this church, what should be your focus and what you're looking for here? But if for whatever reason you have to move away or job transfer, a different kind, what, what is, right? When we boil it down, what is the primary thing that you're looking for? Lesson number three. Folks, find a pastor who gives his best effort to repeatedly deliver the truth of the word. That should be. And there may be some other important things, right? And there are. But the primary thing in the life of the church, Right? is a pastor who gives his best effort to repeatedly deliver the truth of the word. That is what matters in the long run. It should be faithfully repeated to keep you spiritually awake. And our pastor does that. But as you ever, you know, students that are here and moving on to other places. Good to see Charles is back with us uh, this morning. You didn't uh, catch him make sure you say hello to him but people come they go go to different places what 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 should be your focus what are you looking for if we boil it down right i want something that's better not necessarily bigger if you get all the bigger if you get all the frills too great but make sure you have what this is the focus lesson number 4 and this is a lesson from the. This is a lesson related to the greater context of the fact that he's going to be dealing with false teachers later in the book. But it, it's a little big, bigger picture lesson. Lesson number four: You should run from those who claim to have found some new truth from God. Run, right? Everything you need is revealed where? In His Word. Anyone who is peddling something else, they're their own ideas, their agenda. They want you to just follow them. They've got some. I've got some new truth that that you know no one else, no one else has this. You have to, you know Come on, come over here. Don't go. Okay. Anyone that's approaching it that way, they don't have what you need. Be like, oh, where are you, you going to take me somewhere in in God's word? Oh no, we'll get there. All right. See you later. Run from those who claim to have found some new truth from God, folks. Everything you need is revealed in the Word of God, and that's why it's important in the life of the church that we gather together on a weekly basis and spend time together hearing God's Word preached and taught. So in light of that as well, I encourage you to be back tonight for life groups studying about the necessity of prayer. The pastor's gone. We're leaving town. Uh, brother Brad Howell. Uh, maybe some of you may not have the opportunity of hearing him yet, but I've, we've helped, both him and I have both helped out in teaching the teens some. He's a good teacher. You'll enjoy uh, what the Lord lays on his heart related to that. If you're in here in this session, I encourage you to be back for that. Let's close our time together in prayer. Dear Father, we do thank you for the truth of your word. And as we look at the life of the Apostle Peter as he was nearing the end of his life. The ministry and the teaching of the Word was obviously something that was still very important to him and in the life of the church. So would you help us as your people where we find ourselves? May it be important to us. When we feel weak, when we are burdened down with the cares of life, May our hearts be stirred anew that this is where we need to be. This is what we need to help change and mold our lives into the image of your son. So would you help us as your people to make these things a priority for your honor and for your glory, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.